minutes now, 4 o'clock. I'm Kevin Gallagher. We're WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgeport, Connecticut. have a lot of busy conversation coming up shortly. And just want to tell everybody that, you know, even though it's a sort of a non-event for the listener, we're going to seamlessly move across town on the air. Lots has been going on behind the scenes physically and emotionally you know here we are in the studio this is the last show i'll do in these premises and i've been doing shows for a very very long time so it's it's a little different for us the the uh, djs up here but we want to share some things with you um that we have done over the years because the future is really good for us because we've built such a good foundation with all the different people that have come through this way so uh, one thing I want to say to everybody out there is this is all possible because of you, the listener. We could not be here without your support over the years. You appreciate us and show it by giving us the ability with your financing of us to continue on. And now you've financed an amazing new studio, which I hope you get to see at some point. So um, you stick with us, you know, because uh, we need you to continue the way we are because we are truly a listener-supported radio station and we thank you very much for making all these years possible. In just a moment, we'll be talking to my colleague, Rick Patrone, who has preceded me here and we'll get his thoughts on this move. Meanwhile, take a listen to Richie Hart, Joe Corsello, Dr. Lonnie Smith, and Rick Patrone. Thank you. 
So that's a track called Greasy Street, Richie Hart, Joe Crisello, Dr. Lonnie Smith, and Mr. Rick Patron. You sounding kind of funky there, Rick. That's what, it was a funky moment. <laughs> it sounds real good, man. This guy, Rick, has played with just about all the greats, you know, Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, Maynard Ferguson, Chet Baker. I'd like to hear those stories. Uh, Miriam McPartland. And then he played with his own little band, uh, you know. Uh, it sounded real good there. I missed you, you and the drummer being up here when I'm doing my show, you know, after I do my show. But... Yeah. Uh, you know, life goes on, right? And that's what's all happening now. We're moving on to uh, new digs. And I'm so excited, I can't stand it. <laughs> so um, wait, let's just uh, real briefly talk about, you know, how did you get into doing jazz radio? Uh, I know before PKN you were doing some really great stuff down in the Norwalk area. So tell us briefly how that all happened. Yeah, uh, WSTC and WYRS in Stanford. And then we changed it to WZ. Jay-Z. Ah, very good. And so, and then how did you get to WPKN? A short story long. We were in Washington, D.C. with Maynard Ferguson. And he said to me and the piano player, why don't you guys come along and you can help me through this interview. I said, you're nuts. He says, no, I'm not. I don't feel good. I said, okay. So we went there. Pete Jackson who's passed away now. And Maynard has as well. But anyway, we were in the studio, and the guy doing the board was tremendous. And I sat there and kind of liked it. So I, we ended up doing three of those. And I said, maybe when I get off the road, I'll try doing some music. And to make a long story short, I did it. And uh, I was on the station, the AM station, and then I moved to the FM station. That's when we changed the call letters. And uh, I've been on stations a whole bunch of time. In my Stanford years, I was six, 16 years there. Wow. And about 14 with you guys. Wow. You've been here 14 years, huh? Yeah. And I hope you're here for another 24. You're doing great jazz for us. I'm sure the listeners really appreciate what you do for. So what do you think about this? I mean, uh, what do you think about WPKN in general? You know, just... Uh, Generally, uh, I, I keep mentioning, until I get tired of hearing myself, how many people we've recently regained or gained because of the good things that we're doing. And we give the opportunity to the community to have a good time when they're putting whatever dollars they can into the fundraising. And I, uh, I kind of look forward to it, as a matter of fact. I've got four really, really great masters coming on my station in four of the next eight weeks. Oh, really? You got some good interviews coming up? Yeah, we got some good ones. Well, like who? Give me one of them. <laughs> George Cable's birthday today. Oh, really? Yep. And then he'll be on. Bill Charlotte's coming on. Monty Alexander's coming on. I love Monty. Dave Francesca, he's coming on. So. Oh, cool. Very good. Well, that's what you get here. You get a real mixed bag, and you get some, you know, longtime experts uh, putting out all kinds of different genres here. And one of the best is Rick Patron doing jazz. <laughs> what do you think about this move? You ready for it? Um, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Have I you... couldn't wait for it. <laughs> um, got our park 
working space. We're all set up to go. Oh, yeah, good. And uh, that's the best we can do, so we'll do it for the hell of it. That's right. We'll do it great. I'll tell you, I was just over there this morning getting trained on the equipment. It is cool. Not much different than this place. And, um, you know, it's good digs, and it's a whole new era for WPKN. The future looks real bright. I'll say. And I'm glad I'm around to enjoy it. Yep. Definitely. So I uh, look forward to seeing you over there, okay? Thanks for dropping in and uh, talking to us about um, WPKN. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Yep, no problem, man. Basie, as our father Hines blew our minds 
Harris. And we grew fond of Errol Garner as Eddie Harris bent our ear talking about listen here. And Eric Dolphy made his sand with a side called Iron Man. And Gene Ammons told his soul. And we mined Horace and Silver that bought Funky Gold. And Oscar Brown and Joe Williams got down. And we spun around, 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 spun around. And Doug Clifford Brown blowing a sweet funky sound of soul with the rhythm of gold. And a long, 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 As Brother Train blew to the east to destroy the beast and bring back peace to black people. And everybody heard the majestic word of Train's horn telling us of a love supreme for black people that grew strong and on 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 I tried to conduct myself in this campaign in a way that would divide our country, divide it regionally or by parties or in any other way, because I very firmly believe in those things which divide us. And I think you know from all that I have said and done these past three and a half years how much I too want to end the war. Seen it all I have. Right intercourse, physical pleasure. All this stuff you heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. It's not mystical at all. Sometimes I do worry. What do you mean? Everything's changing so. It's hard to know what to trust anymore. You want peace. I want peace. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to America. Tried to kill myself with gas. Yes. People are feeling very much better. Kid is at my sister's. Eddie and Adam. Knock on door. Milkman. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the link. Keep your sunny side up. Keep it up by the side that gets blue. If you have nine sons in a row, start a baseball team. They make money, you know. Keep your funny side up. Don't let them let your laughter come through. Stand up on your legs. Be like two fried eggs. Keep your sunny side up. Where were you last night? Stan took me to see a Punch and Judy show. I'm 
getting sick and tired of this. It's Stan here, Stan there. Stan wants me to go here, Stan wants me to go there. I tell you, it's beginning to get on my nerves. Why, you ought to be ashamed to even be seen on the street with him. When I tell you I understand... Well, why don't you answer the telephone? All right, I'll... Hello? Or every time I see him, he always says hello. I've come on inside and Every time I see him, he always says hello. I know what I'll do. What? I'll telephone their neighborhood patrol. What do I pay them $5 a month for? I think I'll go and brush my teeth first. No, you don't. You just brushed your teeth. Sit down and telephone. Oh, yes. Hello? Hello, hello. Neighborhood patrol? Hey, Ollie, this is me. Uh, oh, oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, hello, Mr. Jones. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm awfully, I apologize. You'll have to talk louder. I can't hear you. I'm sorry, Mrs. Crod, I'm awfully sorry, but we have burglars singing in our cellar. Oh, don't you worry. I'm quite sure it'll be all right. If you take your nose out of the receiver, it'll be okay. Uh, I thought it was a neighborhood patrol. Excuse me. Goodbye, Mr. Jones. Who's that woman you were talking to? Huh? Oh, hey, Mrs. Crod. Why did you call her up and tell her all your business at this unearthly hour of the morning? I didn't call her up. I called up the, uh, the, uh... The neighborhood, uh, uh, I tried to get the neighborhood patrol, I got her on the phone. Then why don't you call the neighborhood patrol and tell them there are burglars singing in our cellar? I'm summer. looking for the number. There it is here. There, it's simple enough. Hello? 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 No, we no got a no room. We got a nut. We got a no cost. We got a nut. Hello, is this a neighborhood patrol? Uh, where were you? Uh, I called the wrong, uh, uh, listen, come over, we have burglars sleeping in our cellar. All right, all right, I'll send you off something. All right, goodbye. Come over right away, will you, thanks. All right, all right, that's simple, that's all done. Did you tell them who was calling and where to come to? Uh, who, what? Gosh, I forgot that. Oh, people make me sick. Uh, hey, listen, that was Ambrose Wolfinger talking. Hey, come over right away. The burglar's singing in the cellar. Good. Okay. <laughs> come in. What do you want? I just came to tell Ollie that was me on the phone. Mr. Jones! Well, come in now. If you'll just wait. Oh, wait. Now, wait. 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 So I have on the phone with me the creator of that uh, mess. <laughs> awesome. That's the that's Peter Boshan, and with me is also Stu Hackle. So this goes way back with these guys. Hey, welcome, guys. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Peter. I haven't talked to Peter in 20 minutes. <laughs> I know. You guys are two um, peas in the pod. <laughs> Well, we're WPKN, and we're listening to, I believe, a lot of material from the first shortcuts, which was created here, right, Peter? And then that's an anniversary version so of that. First played there. The first played there. The first part was, you know, the Nixon thing, which aired on WPKN on a Friday night. 
in November of 1972. I was, you know, I had left the regular show at, at PK, and I was doing a Friday night thing and driving in from the city, and uh, naturally it was the place I played it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing stuff. The stuff you played after was stuff we all kind of shared at, during the late 60s and early 70s, with, which, uh, for those of you too young to remember, became like a nostalgia boom, where they reissued the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy, and a lot of these things are available on vinyl. And uh, we started playing them on the air in between the great music of the day. So uh, I know Stu played them. I'm sure you did in those yep. days. But, uh, you know, we were going through history and uh, making it relevant to what we were doing, inventing a uh, what we thought was a unique freeform radio station. It was truly freeform because we'd take all that stuff and you were the basically uh, learned at your knee. <laughs> I mean, I watched you in the other studio when folks, when we didn't have digital, you have to understand this man was taping things to the wall and I don't know how he knew what Spice. things were. <laughs> yeah, well, that was they were problem. manual splices. I mean, he'd be in the production studio, which is right next to the, the FM studio that we'll be leaving tomorrow and um, Peter would sit there with the editing block and the razor blades and cutting things up. Amazing. Putting splicing tape on them and putting them on the wall and on the glass between the stand. Just, you know, was able to keep track of where everything was and ended up with these incredibly complex, amazing, brilliant uh, audio collages and meaningful. And, Kevin, you've heard me say this. I, you know, I said it. To Cobb when I, when I interviewed for the, the documentary he's doing on PK, and you know Peter was our genius, and he really and I mean, Peter I didn't say that, so don't think. <laughs> yeah, you're, but we're blowing him up here. That yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Peter. Never happened. But um, you know he he really guided a lot of our aesthetic on the air. You know my responsibility as program director was to find good DJs and put them on to fit our freeform format and peter was you know the, the guiding light for all of us it was a high bar to uh really, compete would, against well, nobody reached it but we all aspired <laughs> to and i think that's one of the reasons hey, and was so good over so the years my so it informed my documentary work and video and it also informed my radio work for sure i mean i'll play something a little bit later that i mixed myself it was like this mixing you know that you did with maybe comedy or re real audio from the news or whatever, this was something that said, oh, look, you can do this, and it's fun, and it's entertaining. And but that's... you could also do that on the air with, you know, live. Right. We that's did it live. That's... He, that he I mean, to, have, to sit in the studio and watch Peter, you know, segue from one thing to another to another to another on turntables. Or Freeform, yeah, cards. absolutely. You know, I, spontaneously, as it happened, you know, it was... You know, the, the shortcuts one was more deliberate, you know, when he would actually tape stuff, but his mind thought like that, and he could program a, a live radio program in the same way. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and uh, we were all listening, and we were highly competitive back there in the 70s doing all this radio, and, and we sort of emulated and imitated and did our own versions of um, shortcuts are all mixed up you know it was, it was fun and uh, he led the way that's definitely peter so thanks for that you know um i heard i heard the four um the four general managers earlier that was great stuff but we, we'll stay away from the history since we've already done that this morning you know but folks we're going to be talking to a lot of different people in this show and then tomorrow harry has a whole slew of people coming on that uh you're going to definitely want to be uh 
here to here. Like, for instance, Rod Ross will join him and Terry Hopper. Uh, Stu is going to be back. Bob Gottlieb, uh, Ray Terlaga, um, Norm Preslin. That ought to be great. Maud Joseph will be in. Jeep Ward is here. I just had lunch with him. And Amir Rashid, if you remember that name, he was highly influential wow. on me. And Carl J. Franos coming in. Lisa Sohoka will be there. So, I mean, if you uh, stick around the next couple of days, people will be talking about what this place meant and is. I was talking about it earlier. You know, you're sitting here in these basically, to me, hallowed halls. You know, like the lot of energy over the years has accumulated in here. And now we're, we're like leaving a pair of old slippers for some new shoes. And we're headed across town, which is great uh, because it's really fabulous new digs. And we're going to have a, uh, a couple of parties for that. And you'll all be invited. So, hey, since we're talking about this uh, studio it's demise now we're leaving here it's going to be an empty shell in a couple of days you know as we start taking everything out of here and moving it or getting rid of it uh, Stu, tell us the story about the uh, the original studio when when this one was being built this was just about built or was it built you tell us the story and what happened well, with the old studio yeah i was a freshman uh, in 68 the fall of 68 and really wanted to be a disc jockey i wanted to be a, a soul music disc jockey and i had that opportunity uh on the am side i probably could have done it on the fm side but i didn't have a lights fcc license but you had to train on the am side anyway but the station was in an old frame building that was next to the student center it was the old student center that was on campus uh it's a, it became a park afterwards because the building burned down but it was on the second floor of this old mansion old seaside park mansion that the university had bequeathed to them by some rich guy and uh the station had been there since its founding in 63 with very old equipment and very old building and it was you know the, the vision of probably jeff tellis the first general manager and, and a few other people to have the students pay an additional amount on their student activity fee, an extra $5 a semester to fund the station. And with that money, we were able to build uh, in the new student center, and there was an extension put on, and part of the extension was uh, the area on the second floor where the station's been broadcasting from since the late 60s. But we, you know, we worked out of this old frame building. There were two studios and a small closet for a record library and a, a little an office area with a couple of broken down desks. And that was pretty much it. And that was what most college radio looked like back then. So this place being built on in, at 244 University Avenue was really state of the art for its time. And I would walk over there every few days just to take a look. And it was... You know, raw wood was being put in there, and it had that raw wood smell like when you lick a popsicle stick and you get shivers, you know. Is that, that Don't forget the new rug smell, too. Then the rugs, well, the rugs were later. This is before the rugs were put in, but you yeah, can no, see I'm what they... You, what was it, Peter? I'm sorry. The, was it? the studio was designed in a beautiful way. I mean, I saw it when it was more finished than Stu. Stu was there for the nuts and bolts, but the whole studio is built like about six to 12 inches in different areas. So all the wires were laid underground with little pull-ups that you could, you know, go to work if something went wrong. Trendy, we, yep. we had this whole corridor, which I don't know if the new station would have, it was just basically dedicated to people sitting there looking into the other studios to deliver the news or do 
you know, various public service announcements or whatever. It was like we had a total beautiful setup, and whoever designed it, it could have been Talos or, or one of his, his friends from uh, the real radio world. It was it the real radio, was yeah. Exquisite. Yeah. Yeah, but he came on. Out of, I think we're going to play tomorrow at the turnover as a little bit of a, uh, of just Talos working of the board and 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 talking on uh, WABC in the 60s before he came to so he had some job at WABC 77 you know the probably the biggest station at that time and he came with all this knowledge and and, and ambition to turn you know what was a 10 watt little station that's duty described into uh, a player that everyone else would wanted to have you know it was great i mean i, I walked in there on a some miracle and saw that place and i knew what i wanted to do i wanted to be on the air yeah same here when i came up i said i want to be on the air well, <laughs> and then Stu hackle put me on the air <laughs> right well the great thing well and i did what a mistake that was and the, great, <laughs> the great thing that happened was uh you know much like what seems to be happening now was uh, when we decided the day was coming when we were going to move from the old student center to the new one we had like a bucket brigade of people carrying records from one library across the street to the next. And it's a little less uh, distance than, uh, than is being uh, transversed now. But, you know, in, in a few hours, I think we did the whole record library because, number one, it wasn't a big record library back then. <laughs> Not then, but and now it also is. Also, it didn't take that long because it was just next door. And then, boom, we shut down one and turned on the other, and there we were. We were on the air with the, the new station, and two weeks later, the old student center burned to the ground, mysteriously, coincidentally. Yeah, you were there that night? You watched I, I, it burn? I it burn. I watched it burn. It was a, wow. a Friday night. And, uh, you know, it was right down the street from my dorm. I mean, I was, I was, you know, a few hundred yards away from both of those buildings, and, I, you know, you couldn't miss it. It was... 10, 30, 11 at night, and all the fire trucks in Bridgeport were there. So how's that for continuity, folks who are listening to how the, the original studios before these studios went into their demise, and, and now we're here. I think it's a celebration, celebrating our move to the new uh, studios and saying goodbye to the old ones and with some uh, reminiscing. Because I, as I said earlier, the, the, the amount of talented people that have come through this place over the last 60 years has built such a strong foundation with the Connecticut and Long Island audience that it, it portends great things for the future, I think. I agree. I mean, great. when you just think about the people who I was lucky enough to put on the air, and these are people who, you know, I, sometimes I see them, sometimes I don't hear from them. You know, we're on Facebook, we're not on Facebook, but they all have a real special place in my heart when you think of people like Peter, like Earl Bailey, like, uh, I, I know our friends on the West Coast, like Alan Blank, who was a, a really funny guy who was on in the earliest days of PKN. Walter Barnett. Walter, Walter Barnett, Barnett Mark I Rubin. I mean, yeah. these, these are, you know, these were really good, you know, radio guys and, and, and loved what we did. And then there was, you know, the later generation, Kevin, your generation, the Motovallis, Bob Gottlieb, Terlaga. Fedorka. Fedorka. I mean, you know, these guys, you know, they... Every one of them, you know, uh, personally mean a great deal to me, and you know, I think really warmly of them and have all these years, and I'm always happy to see them when we have our reunions. But they really, you know, we kind of set the foundation for PKN and what it is today. Yeah, and it don't you feel this? It was a different station. Yeah, well, you know, don't you feel like 
I mean, it could be years, literally 20 years you don't talk to somebody or even 15 years. Some of the people I'm having on the air today, I only recently talked to them to set this up. But as soon as I talked to them, I felt like we hadn't really had any years between us because, you know, you just slip into the old routine of, right. of friendship and community. And I think Jim Motivale expressed it pretty well that, you know, it, there's nothing quite like this in, in uh, like this, this organization that has such a deep community, not only with the people that have worked here and done whatever they've done, but the, with the listeners too. The listeners are amazing that they, they get it and support it. Right. They have well, so I, many our listeners were really special to us. I mean, I, you know, sometimes they'd find their way into the station. You know, we'd be doing a show and somebody's sitting there, who are you? You know, it was very rare for someone to actually visit us, but you know, it happened. People would, would you know, want to make that connection with the people they'd be hearing on the air. It was really special. Before we get off history, the question I'm just thinking of, was Bill Nolan already there? Yes. How did he get there? Bill was, was there, there before, before anybody. Bill, Bill. That's what I'm saying. He was there before. Was he in the old studio? Yeah. I mean, in the old building? Was, was yeah. he in the one that burnt down? Yep. I think Bill was. Wow, he goes way back. And at the same time, it was a <laughs> Sunday night show. Yeah. My recollection, Bill was always on the air. He was on the air. Yeah. Because, there, yeah. There, yeah, there's our Bob's ass. But, yeah, when you talk about that genius stuff, I just want to give kudos to to Bob Fass and Steve Post and the people I listened to when I was still in Bridgeport, when I was working at Carpenter Steel, and I, I don't remember what the situation was, but I was walking around with a big radio listening to that station and thinking about what I, I you know, what I could do with that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's made it seem so free, you know, like, yeah. and they, didn't, they weren't actually doing rock and roll shows like we became but you know they they just did it they did you know, good I, stuff you know, yeah. start playing three records at the same time and <laughs> you know it was all inspiring so or six or seven people on the air in being interviewed or talking like at a round table sometimes yeah, then, right. then bob fast invented that like having this guy mike Edel, who was just a genius who came over from nyc he he made this phone that i haven't seen a, a, anything as well made with all the new modern uh, digital phones he had 10 phones that, with on and off and volume switches, independent volume switches that you could click at will and turn them up and down. So it was, it, it basically fit the radio audience because everybody had different phones, different connections. And it was an amazing thing to have 10 voices and been able to, and the, and the announcer was controlling that. I heard um, one of those you know. one night. It was so spacey. It was like really hard to follow <laughs> yeah, at times, but when it was good, it was really good. I've actually go home and this is just the listeners. I was had that feeling. Yeah. But you know, I, I didn't see, they had a great studio as well in the seventies. Um, but I didn't go there till after I had gotten um, used to PKN and came by to drop off something to Bob Fast to play that I think me and Dom had worked on when he was already working in New York at uh, a studio over the pla not over the plaza over some on 47th Street whatever that big theater is right there. But he had he was working up at the top and you know we'd get together and just like you say we all still communicate and talk and you talk like Kevin you called me I don't know how long we had since spoke to talk me into coming back to PKN 10 12 years ago yeah you know we just dropped into that and yeah it just fluctuates yeah it's you know, uh, well. and you know I, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't also talk about how special our news department was because, oh amazing you know, for yeah. a while we were just putting on 
ABC News or something like that, and the old studio was on a pot at all times, the NBC, the ABC network. And at the top of the hour, you turned it up to meet the five-minute newscast. And we had to, that was part of our format. You know, we had a format back in the old days, and you had to follow yeah. the format. And our news, we were so good. Our, our, our students and others who came to join PKN were so interested in... You know, the real news as opposed to the corporate news, especially during the war years in Vietnam and, and the repression that was being visited on, on, on black and brown people throughout the country that wasn't being reported correctly. That, you know, we, people like Eddie Weinstock and Mary Westwood and Bob Gottlieb especially, who really. Fedorka and, and, and Terlaga. Really, Terlaga who, and others, you know, and who really wanted to to match the freeform music aesthetic that we had established with a, 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 an information aesthetic. Yep, well. Pecan's always had that tradition. It's, in, I mean, I Bob Gottlieb taught me how to write copy. You know how to how to all. I mean, we used to get it from Reuters and it would just spit out. You know, but it wasn't written for on-air reading. You had to rewrite it to make it sound make it make sense. Right. And that taught me a lot. And that's I, I think why I'm inspired to do digging in the dirt, for instance, and even the headlines for Gaiagram. You know, those things all sprang from my experience here at WPKN. I'm Kevin Gallagher. You're listening to Peter Boshan and Stu Hackle, some old friends of mine and, and old friends of WPKN. So, um, well, let's, we're going to wrap this up in a second, guys. So you, final words. Well, I'll let Peter have the last word because he deserves it. But for me, the station has always been a big part of my life, even though I haven't been on the air in decades. I still dream about doing sets. I still hear a song on the radio and think, boy, if I played that song, I can follow it with this song. <laughs> it, you know, it's just you know what what PKN means to anybody who ever worked there uh, is, is indescribable. But you know, we wouldn't do it and wouldn't have been able to do it without. Well, first of all, without at one time the university, but really without the listeners. And hey, we did it for them as well as for us and and each other. That's what we've had. It was, it's been so much fun, you know. Uh, people say, you don't get paid up there? I said, no, I don't get paid, but I love it. <laughs> no, I can't tell you how many semesters I almost flunked out because I was at the station instead of being in my classroom. Well, I never graduated. <laughs> I never graduated either. I was just there for the for the radio. Well, that was, the, you know, that was it. I mean, you couldn't be on the air unless you were a student, so people would register for a one-credit billiards class or a bowling class or an archery class. <laughs> or something just to say that they were a student and we could get them on the air absolutely well guys thanks so much for coming in and giving us a few words i guess i'll see you tomorrow Stu. i'll be there all right it's going to be a historic day you know and like i said remember when the four tomorrow harry's got all kinds of people dropping in just like i'm having people drop in this afternoon so we're going to have you know if you if you're jonesing on the history of pkn and the future of pkn this is the place to be in the next couple of days so thanks guys here's some more of the your, uh, Thank you. Here's some more of your shortcuts to go out. Building on 58th Street when I heard about it. Now hear this. KLIF presents the world's greatest disc jockey, Ross Knight. Oh, boy. Introduced myself in Paris by saying that I was the man who had accompanied uh, Mrs. Kennedy to Paris. I'm getting that somewhat that same sensation uh, as I travel around uh, Texas. Nobody wonders what Lyndon and I wear. <laughs>
White House on Monday. If you'll come up there, you'll have a chance to see it there. They said it couldn't be done. They said nobody hold could it, do hold it. Hold it, hold it. Stop the music. What couldn't be done? I was in study hall, and the study hall teacher came down, and I, I had, of course, several friends who went to the uh, parade. Uh, you could have the option of going, getting out of school to see the parade or not, and I had work to do, so I, I stayed at school. At the tone, standard time will be 12, 7, and 30 seconds. Well, I remember how being terribly shocked and uh, incredible the whole thing that uh, this sort of thing could happen in the United States. I think Kennedy was about the only, the one that made me realize that there was an America and maybe there was hope in America. I think it was maybe through him that I really got the inspiration. So my goal was to come to America, but like that was through him. Okay by me in America, everything's free in America.
There ain't a garage space within a hundred block radius of this place. Davis, what do you say? <laughs> I say we'll park on the street. Oh, yeah, where do you live? 74th Central Park West. Central Park West, 32% bus stops. The rest is one hour park. 7th Avenue Broadway, no parking between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. 75th Street, you got your school zone, no parking. You got your church on the corner. 74th Street, all that side of the street parking. You got to move your car every morning at 7 a.m. You want to hear about the east side now? Never met a guy who knows so much about parking. Hey, parking's my life. Give me a street, I'll give you an ordinance. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, try it on the street for a while. This will be back. This will be back begging on your knees like my mother was. Sometimes you find a space and for it you must fight. Sometimes you find a space you drive around half the night. When folks take up a space and a half, that's not right. Sometimes you find a space for it you must fight. You what do you want? Look, 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 look. It's 7.01. What's the temperature? <laughs> it's your turn to move the car. Come on. Better hurry up. All the spots will be taken. Well, you're up already. What are you doing? Because it's not my turn. <laughs> Why are you dressed? I got up at 6.30 to see if you were going to keep your turn. <laughs> the show's on the chart. What chart? The whose turn it is to park chart. <laughs> what is it saying that chart? It's my turn. Right to... there. I'd say so indeed when I see a space I don't even need. I still want that space, yeah. All right, we do. We're looking for parking space. Felix, I can't take this aggravation anymore. Now let's sell the car. Are you crazy? I will never give permission to sell my half of the car. And that's that. Mondays and Thursdays, 11, 30 to 1. And cleaning the street, man, you're under the gun. And you're waiting off to Nate and all it ain't tough to find it. As a Monday and Thursday, 11, 30 to 1. 7th Avenue, Broadway, no parking between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. 75th Street, you got your school zone, no parking. You got your church on the corner. 74th Street, all that side of the street parking. You got to move your car every morning at 7 a.m. In my part of town, the cops cast a blind eye. Double park till a sweeper goes by And they sit in that clean space And living a lie My heart of town Cops cast a blind eye And when the rules are suspended It's too good to be true Ash Wednesday, Abe's birthday Passover too, yeah I love all the holy days Although I'm no Jew When the rules are suspended It's too good to be true Asian lunar Is it right what's been happening to me? $200 for parking tickets? Running out of gas in the Holland Tunnel, getting up at the crack of door. The other day I stopped for something neat, they towed away the car. <laughs> Cost me $85 for a hot dog. <laughs> New York is making a thief out of me. You are not a thief. You're a basically honest person. But if you do this, the Lord will never forgive you. If he owned a car in New York, he would. A car in the city's just a pain in the ass. 
It's an albatross made out of chrome steel and glass. It's nice to know that you can get out of town fast. But a car in the city is a pain in the ass. Plus, you're a nice guy. I'll take your turn parking tomorrow. Please, it's not tomorrow. Don't you see what the car has done? It's driven me to larceny, blasphemy. Now it's going to drive me to my grave. Can we get rid of it? You're right. You mean it? We got the car without earning it. Power of fate. La forza del destino. Die macht das Schicksal. It was fate and an evil fate. We'll sell it tomorrow, okay? When folks hear the word space, they think of the moon. The stars and the planets are a sunrise too. Me, I think where, when, what day, and how soon I park here on Earth. To hell with the moon! If you vacate the space now, it's to the icing. Space is a place, it's a marvelous place, it's a magical place, it's a meaningful So there's an example of uh, me learning from Peter Beauchamp. That's a mix I did of obviously The Odd Couple and Bob Wayne writes Space is the Place. Space is a place that's a beautiful thing. We're WPKN. And we have a very bright future. I was shirtless and I had shorts on. Very hot day, the studio was steamy, you know, the air conditioning wasn't working too well. So I just took off my shirt, I'm doing radio. I and mean, my girlfriend happened to be there and she was taking some pictures and those pictures are now immortalized. They're on the wall. I've seen it in some of the PR work and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of uh, an interesting photo, but it definitely was not naked. <laughs> Uh, one day I came up, I was program director, and I came up and I, came, I look over at the FM studio, it's completely dark, no lights whatsoever. I go, what's going on here? So I walk over to the door, I open the door, and there's two couples in there having sex. 
on the air, the music is playing, and they're having sex, and I go, oh, excuse me, and I just back out, and I shut the door, and I said, okay, and I just left, you know, and, <laughs> and a little while later, the lights came back on, but they, were, they was doing a live radio show, I guess that's what the turn on was. <laughs> One year and a weekend, everybody decided to be a streaker. And this night was crazy. You would, I showed up at the radio station and I was going through the, through the campus and everybody was naked. I couldn't believe it. So I ran up to the station, I got myself a, a tape recorder and a microphone. I said, I'm gonna go interview some of these people, find out what's going on. So I go running out with my thing and I, literally the people running around everywhere, streaking. It was hundreds of people. And I get over to one of the dorms and I see a bunch of guys who are butt naked with sneakers on, all of them. They all look like athletes. So I go over to them and say, hey, what's going on? You know, and why are you doing this? And you know, trying to be the reporter. And uh, they sort of start, I'm in the middle of the circle of these naked guys. And they're, they're answering some of the questions, but they're more interested in wondering why I don't have my clothes off. So they start saying, yeah, this guy should have his clothes on. What do you think, you know? And I go, see ya. And I just beat it out of there. And I said, I call it for the night. I said, if that's what they want to do, I'm not interested. You know, I don't want to be the naked reporter, you know? clip from Cobb Carlson's film that uh, made the cutting floor. It's called Naked PK, and you can watch the interview on uh, Vimeo if you want. But uh, I figured I couldn't interview myself, so I'd let you hear the audio there. So that's some of the stuff that went down here at WPKN over the years. Our future's so bright, we got to wear sunglasses. This is the Gaiagram, environmental headlines from around a planet in crisis. According to The Guardian, more than 40 countries have agreed to phase out their use of coal-fired power, the dirtiest fuel source. However, some of the world's biggest coal-dependent economies, including Australia, China, India, and the U.S., were missing from the deal. And experts and campaigners said the phase-out deadlines countries signed up to were much too late. According to the International Energy Agency, coal use is one of the biggest causes of greenhouse gas emissions. Fortune magazine reports that the CEO of the Norwegian fertilizer giant Yarrow International says the world is facing the prospect of a dramatic shortfall in food production as rising energy prices cascade through global agriculture. The CEO, Sven Holsether, said, I want to say this loud and clear right now that we risk a very low crop in the next harvest. I'm afraid we're going to have a food crisis. Holsessler said that the sharp rise in energy prices this summer and autumn had already resulted in fertilizer prices roughly tripling. The delayed effects of the energy crisis on food security could mimic the recent chip shortage crisis. 
Treehugger.com reports that 550 hunting trophies were found in an undercover investigation of an Iowan auction. Auction items included elephant leg tables, zebra skins, and a taxidermy polar bear. There were 50 or more rugs made from animals, including grizzly bears, wolves, and mountain lions. There were giraffe and hippo skulls and a box labeled elephant ears and skin. There were 39 black bears, including five cubs and a mother cub pair, as well as seven grizzly bears and three brown bears. There was also six monkeys and two hollowed-out elephant feet, with a note saying they would make a nice trash can. Adam Payman, director of wildlife programs for the Humane Society International, said it was a macabre scene of dead animal body displays and dusty boxes of animal skins and parts, a scene the investigator did not think possible in a civilized society. Many of the animals that were sold at the auction were threatened, endangered, and vulnerable species. They included tables and lamps made from giraffe legs and feet, and tables and wastebaskets made from African elephant feet. The U.S. is the number one importer of hunting trophies, including imperiled species. Through the portholes of the International Space Station, French astronaut Thomas Pesqua has an arresting view of global warming's repercussions. As reported by AP, he used a video call from space to sound the alarm. He told the French President Macron that we see the pollution of rivers in atmospheric pollution. Entire regions of the Earth are in flames, storms trailing destruction in their wake, and the haunting fragility of humanity's only floating home like a blue but tarnished pearl in the vast vastness of space. Pasqua continued from space saying that what really shocked me on this mission were the extreme weather or climate phenomena. The fragility of Earth is a shock. It's a sensory experience to see just how isolated we are as an oasis with limited resources. And finally, London-based food waste app Olio has launched a new marketplace in a bid to encourage neighbors to share instead of buy everyday household items. The borrow feature, launched ahead of COP26's opening, is aimed at getting people to share things like drills and pasta makers, the classic lockdown impulse buy, with their local community. The app wants to help families both save money and avoid long-term waste. The idea is, why does everyone need to buy a drill or Roomba in a block of flats, when many of these will end up in landfills eventually? Every purchase also fuels demand for more consumption. Why not share a couple between the building? Meanwhile, research shows the average American home has 300,000 items inside it, many of which are hardly ever used. This was the Gaiagram, environmental headlines from around a planet in crisis. WPKN programming is supported by Novamont, a Connecticut company, manufacturers of Matterbee, a family of completely biodegradable and compostable bioplastics, which are being used to provide low environmental impact solutions for everyday products. More information is available at materbi.com slash en. And we are WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and online at WPKN.org. I'm Kevin Gallagher.
That's a song called The Bubble Man, and that brings uh, Mike Zito to the airways. Are you there, Mike? Uh, nope. Hold on. Are you there? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Welcome to the show, Michael. This is uh, Mike Zito, my good friend of many, many years, and very happy to have him here this afternoon and talk a little bit about WPKM. Well, I'm happy to hear, be here, too, um, but, you know, I care about you a lot, and I have a bit of an agenda. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. And it's all because I care, Kevin. Um, 1973, I, I don't remember the exact time, but I walked through the doors. There's an AM station that I heard Peter and Stu talking about. You were the program director. You put me on the air. Then you became the FM program director, and you put me on the air there, too. And I don't know why. I seriously do not know why, because I was awful, and I was awful, and I remained awful for many, many years. I don't know about many so, years, <laughs> but I'll I have was, to agree with you. You were pretty awful. <laughs> I was. I, no, well, let's, know, let's were, qualify that. You played great music, but we, you were just shy, and we couldn't hear you on the airwaves. And this is, you know, uh, it would be like listening to your set, and then there would be dead air, but you were actually talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, my very first show I taped on Reel to Reel. And um, then, uh, you know, I left it at my house in New Jersey and just left it in my closet and years later my father um found it and i had been talking to him about radio and how much i was enjoying it and he actually rented a reel-to-reel tape and he, he called me up and um he called me up rather concerned and he said look you're talking a lot about radio and i just listened to your show and you should do something else because you're not good <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty so, funny so, so, you know, I said because I care about you, I, I have this point that I would like to offer you. I would like to, after all these many, many years, give you the chance to apologize to the WPKN listening audience for those dozens of years that I went on the air, but because I was so quiet, nobody knew. So uh, No, no, I'm not apologizing. In fact, folks, this guy, he does two radio shows. He's got a show down in Rehoboth, uh, Maryland, and he does a show here still. And he, not only that, but he guided so many people at Staples High through a radio course that was everybody just loved it, and they miss him over there. And, and he made them the um, best high school radio station for a few years in a row while he was there so i mean it literally won the award for best high school radio station so it, it all worked out in the end so i'm not apologizing for anything so. okay it worked out in the end but man there were a few years there Kev. <laughs> hey, some people are slow starters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what else what do you think about wpkn in, in well this there's move? so many thoughts really you know and um you know we mentioned that am station i was talking to bob usler because you called him, and he called me, which was great. Oh, one one point though, Rehoboth, Delaware, not um, oh. not not Rehoboth, Maryland. Okay, that um, wasn't that uh, wasn't very good at geography. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, one of the things about PKN and um, dealing with at uh, Radio Rehoboth is it somewhat takes pride in the idea it's a community radio station. And when I left PKN, I moved to Canada once, came back, 
moved to Austin, Texas. Now I'm in Rehoboth. And there's really, as far as I'm concerned, no place like WPKN. And that idea of community radio just, um, I'm trying to teach um, Rehoboth, Radio Rehoboth just what that means because they're not getting it, you know. So um, I just I just feel honored. I just feel so lucky to have um, ever been a part of WPKN. You know, that's exactly what I think most of us here feel. And I think even the audiences who get to know us and are become really loyal fans feel the same way also. Uh, let me just say something about that Zito the Bubble Man song that you played. I, I was the Bubble Man for a while. But there is a tie-in to, to PKN in that, and it ties into the audience, too, because when um, I started to find myself at uh, WPKN, I was doing a folk show, and um, I became uh, manager of the uh, Carriage House Coffee House for a while, and um, I kept hearing about this festival called the Estedford Festival, and I never would have known, you know, anything about folk music much, except for, I don't know, Bob Dylan and Joan Baez. And certainly about the Estedford Festival in Massachusetts, if it weren't for the audience people, the musicians that I met just because of WPKN, I was lucky enough to perform there one year. And there was a guy named Gordon Duncan, who I never met him that uh, weekend that I was there. But I, I think he had that song, didn't have a name for it, and saw in the... Um, in the brochure for uh, the Stanford Festival that year, that Vito the Bubble Man was playing, and um, I think he thought, well, well, that's a good name for a song, and it, it's become somewhat of a. Uh, I didn't know for years and years that the song was ever written, but I did get in touch, and he said, yeah, that was because of the Stanford, and the Stanford for me, and really folk music for me is because of uh, WPKN almost directly. So you picked this song to go out on, but it, it hinges on a uh, on a story here at WPKN, right? Yes, it does. And um, it's not going to mean anything to anybody, but, um, but it means something to me. Um, it was really snowy, um, and the snow just kept going more and more. I was on the air in the afternoon, and I don't know the hows and whys of it, but your wife, Isis, was also there. And the reason I know that was there was no getting out of the south end um, by the time I got off the air. And so Isis and I were going to, I lived right around the corner from WPKN, and Jeff Tellis was in the studio too. He didn't know where I lived, less than a block away, but um, he wasn't getting out. So I said, you're, you're more than welcome to stay at my apartment. But Isis and I were at the steps there of my apartment, and we explained to Jeff um, how to get there. But we, but we looked out for him, and all of a sudden, it looked like a, a donable snowman or something. He was walking around the corner on Atlantic Street, but he didn't want to get snowed on. So he got one of those, you know, you're talking about cutting real, real tape with Peter. He had a box that he got of real, real tapes, put it on his head, put little circles for the eyes, and drew a face. And Isis and I were just just could not stop laughing that uh, there was this box guy, this huge box guy coming down the street in the snow. Next day, <laughs> fast forward, and I'll be quick. Talk to Isis about it. I, I'm pretty sure she'll remember it. Yeah, she remembers. But, um, next, next day, I 
had to fill on the air, and I had to um, fill on the air for a long time. Because there's a lot of snow, yeah. So I was on for like 13 hours, and for whatever reason, the song I gave you, I played once an hour. I thought it was appropriate, and I probably never played it again. So I, I just have that memory of being brain dead on WPKN after so many hours. It ties into the Carriage House, too, because Bill Staines played the Carriage House uh, so often. Pretty cool. So what, set it up. What's the name of the song? It's called Hauling in the Wood. From Bill Staines. Yeah. Thanks, Mike Zito. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Kevin Gallagher. Love you. Temperatures are down, there's a change in the weather, and the snows are coming in just as light as a feather, and the stove-side's warm, and it couldn't feel better when you're living like you think you should. All my friends gathering around the old pot belly, singing old-time songs of the sunshine, now they keep it warm in the corner, is my old dog Kelly, and I'm hauling in the wood. And I got enough time for some peace of mind, it's more than I've had for a long, long time, set yourself down as a winter wine, while I'm hauling in the wood. Drop a log on the fire, stomp my feet on the floor, watch the flames jump higher, keep a winter from a door, smell the smoke in the air, and hear the good old roar. It's a thing to get you feeling mighty good. Well, it's cold in the morning with the fire down low. It's up and out of the Lord, don't you know that the sun's coming up with a cold morning glow and I'm hauling in the wood. And I got enough time for some peace of mind. It's more than I've had for a long, long time. Set yourself down as a winter wine while I'm hauling in the wood. Slow, the chopping and the splitting and the soft falling snow and the fire in the evening with a warm yellow glow gets you thinking that you're living like you should. There's a reason to my life, there's a heart full of cheer and an arm full of open some hickory here and a good woman's voice making music in your ear while you're hauling in the wood. And I got enough time for some peace of mind, it's more than I've had for a long, long time. Set yourself down as a winter wine while I'm hauling in the wood. And I got enough time for some peace of mind, it's more than I've had for a long, long time. Set yourself down as a winter wine while I'm hauling in the wood.
to you. I'm stretching my chops today, folks. All this uh, phone calls and mixing and bringing in all these friends, you know, it's like, wow. And um, my next guest is Pam Murley. I imagine. I've been thinking about it. I've been picturing you and I'm thinking, holy shit. Hey, we're on the air. Oh, are we? (laughs) Yep. Yes, it was. It's okay. We'll we'll, we'll apologize, but uh, and I guess we won't say we'll edit it out. Because <laughs> it's live radio, folks. Yep. So this is my friend Pam Early is here. You know, I was talking earlier about the idea that all these people that we've known in our lives that come through WPKN, it's amazing. When you get back together, it's sort of like just it's just like never there wasn't any time in between, <laughs> right? Like riding a bike. <laughs> how are you, yeah, Pam? Um, that's how I feel, kind of in a way, like no time has gone by. Yeah, well, you, it's been a lot of time. <laughs> uh, folks, Pam was one of the you know original women here at the radio station. Uh, not too many preceded her, and uh, she was a big addition to the airways. And then, and then she moved on and did radio. You went to NEW, right? You went to where else did you go? Tell us a little bit about what you did. Okay, well, let's see. So first. After leaving PKN, I was at WHDN in Hartford, um, followed by WPLR in New Haven, and then LIR on Long Island. And there's lots of listeners of PKN on Long Island, so I want to say hi to Long Island right now. 
I, I actually, for a while, I was working at PLR and LIR at the same time, and then LIR um, hired me full-time. So I moved Lock, Stock, and Barrel, and then after that was NEW, and then after that was Philly and a bunch of rock stations in Philly. Cool. So, so what, tell me a good memory of WPK. What do you, what, what do you hearken back to when you talk about uh, WPK? <laughs> Well, this show has been so great, and it's just been so so much fun to hear everybody. And uh, I want you to know, first of all, that I'm wearing my uh, a very ancient PKN T-shirt that says "No Clone Radio" on it. Do you remember that one? I do not remember that. So I bet you a lot of people do, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I. A lot of memories of PKN have been coming up, and one of the first ones that I thought about was how, when I first started, I used to have to turn the transmitter off at night. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, and and it was the weirdest thing because you know you would do this whole set of adjustments and knobs and and all this kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden it would go to white noise, and it was just i don't know it was a kind of creepy and awesome thing at the same time that like all of a sudden this you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah this great this great live communication uh you know thing throbbing you know, thing right great music and all this all the wonderful news that people have been talking about today that we did earlier and all this kind of stuff and then all of a sudden it would just go to white noise so that's definitely one of the one of the things I thought about, and the other one was I just I have such memories of our original studio with the Gates turntables. Do you remember those? Yeah, the big, Gates. Yeah, big those heavy tables. things, beautiful tables. They, I mean, you could probably sit on that thing <laughs> and you wouldn't even slow it down. It was like those those were fantastic. And when I first started in PKN, I was not interested. And opening the mic, I didn't even I didn't even want to talk on the air. I just wanted to play the music, do segues, and get my hands on on those wonderful Gates turntables and that that console with the pots. You know that <laughs> the original the original uh, console that we had, the board with yep. those uh, great big pots and everything. Yep. I just wanted to do that. So at the beginning, for the longest period of time, I didn't even open the mic except at the top of the hour where I had to do a legal ID. The rest of the time, I just segued music and had a blast. I mean, that's all I wanted to do at the beginning. Yeah, I remember. You, uh, I remember you totally, like, digging on Bowie and Steely Dan. It was, like, wild stuff, you know. It was great. Yes, and it, it's funny because when you asked me about, you know, thinking of songs that, for me, encompass my time there and are just are representative of my time there, um, one of the first songs that came to my mind was was Compared to What from Les McCann and Eddie Harris. And, you know, so let me just stop for a moment and give props to those guys. Oh, man. I just what had a, a Pam, I just had a guy. Is, and uh, the wonderful Les McCann, uh, you know, on keyboards and vocals there is, is now 86 years old. He's still around. Eddie Harris, unfortunately, is gone for a long time. Um, but that track was recorded live at Montreux Jazz Festival in 1969. It's an amazing and that song. With movement. So anyway, I used to play that all the time, and I, it just it just sounds so good, and it's still so relevant mm -hmm. that it's kind of mind blowing. It is. You know, I just had a guy call up and said, 
it's the show's been great and you know and then you put on compared to what and i pulled over and i got chills up and down my spine it was like it was great yeah. it was the kind of connection to the audience that we have and i love it you know so you know th that was a great choice by you i appreciate it well you know the thing that's the thing about live radio and that's the thing especially about wpkn and and people being able to be on the air and express themselves and and play the music that is meaningful to them and, and is meaningful to the audience without like having formats and without having, you know, hits that they have to play and um, all this other kind of stuff that, you know, I mean, believe me, I had tons of that uh, throughout my career in radio. And, uh, you know, it makes you appreciate even more um, the breeding ground, so to speak, that I came from. I mean, that's where I learned my chops. I mean, it was WPKN. It was sitting there and doing segues and 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 not opening the mic, you know, because that's <laughs> not what I. That's not why I first got on the radio. And uh, of course, I had to. I had to do that later. <laughs> I had to do a lot of that. Um, and it became more important to me to uh, hone my craft of of communicating with the audience verbally once I was in a position where I was not given the freedom to you know to play the music that I you know that I loved and that I wanted to play and that was really expressing who I am. It became more important to be able to communicate with people. So then I had to work on that skill. Right. It was a, it became more of a job, but it still yes. was. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the radio business is, you know, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we won't go there. But, you know, everybody understands, you know, that, uh, you know, it's, they, they suck the, uh, the creativity out of you. And that's the beauty of WPK, you know, the beauty of the fact that the audience understands. Because for 60 years, Pam, they've been supporting this place. I mean, they come up with the cash every year because they know what it is. They understand this animal, which is so unique in this world. And it would be such a tragedy if it ever went away. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's, that's just such a beautiful thing. I mean, the, the loyalty of the listeners and, uh, you know, the way that the station has been able to keep its integrity over all these years. And uh, you can't find that really anywhere it's it's you know and it's the continuity too i mean here i'm talking to you some what how many years how many years have been since we've seen each other Thir i don't know 30 30 <laughs> years maybe to sit down with a calculator. Yeah, but, I don't know. but I, uh, folks, we, you know, she gets a Christmas card from me every year and, and my wife, Isis, where she was good friends with Isis. And, uh, and I also send them one too, by the way. Yes, we, should we get one back? I was just about to say that. You know, and speaking of Isis, she tells the story. In fact, I told the story during the John Lennon um, fundraiser we just had that she went to visit you at WNEW. Do you remember the rest of the story? Oh, no, I don't. Please, go ahead. You came down to let her into the studios at WNEW in Manhattan, and you burst open the door and you said, John Lennon's been shot. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, it's really interesting that, that you say that because I was so numb that night that it doesn't surprise me that I don't have a clear memory of it. I'll tell you what happened. We were at the WNEW-FM Christmas party. And uh, all of a sudden, this news came through that John Lennon had been shot. And from here, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the memories are very fuzzy. But what happened is I just remember a bunch of us 
um, you know, Scott Muni and Dave Herman, and, and there, there were a whole bunch of us went right back to the radio station and to support uh, Vin Skelsa, who was on the air that night. And Vin opened the mic, and, uh, you know, he opened the phones, and people were just able to call in all night long and express themselves and express their grief. Such sadness. And uh, we're just going to shut this uh, cell phone off right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, and um, so uh, <laughs> let's see, where was I? Here's Vin, Vin Skelsa, um, here's John Lennon had been shot and, and then he passed away. Yeah, and, so we all And ISIS was there. there. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's, I just remember sitting in the studio with Vin all night long and the phone calls coming in. And um, it was just, uh, it was, I was numb. And it was a horrible, horrible night. And I'm sorry that I don't remember the ISIS part of the story, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, she, she, that's how she remembers where she was when John Lennon was shot. She says, I was visiting Pam, and that's what it Oh, happened. my God. And how I remember was, you know, being at a WNEWFM Christmas party and, and everybody going back there to, uh, to be in shock together and grieve. And, I mean, it's, it's just disbelief. I don't even think the grieving had started yet. It was just no, shock. Total disbelief, shock. just total shock. This can't really be happening. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to get back to the music here. Any one final thought from you, Pam uh, Murley? Just that I am so grateful for WPKN and for everything that it's meant um, in, in my career. Props go out to one Jeff Tellis, God rest his soul. Yeah, he was awesome. And, and you know, what a guy. And all the help that he gave me, I remember him and I in the production studio editing tape uh, with a razor blade, folks. This was before digital <laughs> editing. And, you know, help, him helping me with my initial uh, tapes. Uh, that I was making to try and get a job in commercial radio. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, PKN is, is, you know, a very special place in my heart. Um, I have great love for all of you and, and for uh, all of P what I've gathered, you know, what I've gotten from PKN, and it's been a lot. It's, it's really contributed so much to my life. And uh, and a, a career came out of it. And believe me, when I started out, I was not even thinking about a career in radio. So that wasn't even on the radar. There you go. That's great. Well, thanks so much for coming here, Pam. It's really been nice having you. And, and thanks for, um, you know, all the best in the future. Well, you too, Kevin. And thank you for asking me to come today. This is a very auspicious day, and I feel honored to be able to be with you and in the studio on the last day in that incredible studio. Yeah, so. you got to come visit the new ones. They're unbelievably awesome. It's like it's like moving from the Ford Fairlane and in, into a Porsche. <laughs> Absolutely, I will. I uh, thank you for the invite, and I will definitely do that. Okay. And so you picked the uh, Revolution will not be televised. So then I absolutely did because the other song that came to mind immediately that represents my time there at PKN was Gil Scott Heron and the revolution will not be televised uh, once again uh, he was very prescient I think he w he's now given the title uh, some people are calling him the uh, godfather of rap yep. so um, well here it is the, the yeah, revolution will not is, be televised and, uh, thank you again yep see you later bye bye yep, bye Be able to stay home, brother. 
be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nubs. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on report from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lights of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Woman Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. Song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Key, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or the Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. I'd like to take time out now and really thank the creator this evening for allowing us to travel all over the ocean and come back and meet my homeboy again. How about a hand for Oliver Nelson? Oliver Nelson. Hey, that's nothing. Oliver and I go all the way back. Well, not that far back, but when I was in high school. Oliver Nelson. Oliver Nelson. And on Kunga, have a hand for Sonny Morgan. Sonny Morgan. creator for brother Lex Humphreys on drum. How about a hand for Lex? Lex Humphreys. Thank you, creator. And we come over here and meet one of the greatest. Berlin won't have a wall much longer if Gunther keeps doing what he's doing. 
Gucci lens, break down all the walls. Gucci lens, on base. And his quality is even more than his name. Arthur Sterling, how about I have Arthur Sterling on piano.
Zone. Leon Thomas going nuts with uh, Oliver Nelson, recorded live at the Berlin Philharmonic Hall. Creator has a master plan, and WPKN is in that plan. That used to be sort of a theme song. I, everybody played in the 70s, you know. It's amazing, amazing music. Pharaoh Sanders wrote. And, you know, you can hear just about anything on WPKN, and you probably will. And, uh, you know, one thing that's never associated with uh, WPKN, and that's um, sports. But, you know, we're even named after the Purple Night Network here, WPKN, which we tried to change to um, what people keep needing, <laughs> as I remember. Um, but um, there was a sports department here, and we're going to be talking to somebody in just a moment about that. And talk some basketball. Far up court for George, who catches it, turns around, shoots, and he got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! And the Huskies have won it! The Huskies have won it! And I have the man who made that call. And, and he's on the line with me. Bob, how are you? Kevin, it is uh, not only a pleasure to be with you, it is an honor. I would be listening to this show right now if I wasn't a guest on the show. <laughs> well, this is Bob Huesler, folks, and as I remember it, he was the the sports department here at WPKN, <laughs> calling all the Purple Night Network. Uh, you know, we, we, we had an obligation to carry the basketball games here for our uh, right to uh, do broadcasting at the university, and uh, he, that's, I guess, maybe you can tell us the story. Is that where you learned the you, to cut your chops there it was kevin although i did not i didn't walk through the door literally at pkn to uh 
asked to be put on air to do sports. I wanted to do music. And um, that was, you know, I, I'm a, I have a love of, I had a love of radio. I still have a love of radio. And I was a student in the fall of 1973 at the University of Bridgeport. And I, um, just to give you a little bit of, a, of my frame of reference for radio, I grew up in, uh, I was born in Brooklyn, grew up in Bloomfield, New Jersey. And uh, I, I, my mom listened to Clavin and Finch, Rambling with Gambling. And then I, of course, grew up listening to WABC, Top 40 Radio, and then I morphed into the progressive freeform. <laughs> we know what real freeform is, but then I was an NDWFM guy. So that was, so I end up at the University of Bridgeport in the fall of 73. Uh, I'm going to be a journalism major, and I wanted to be a sports writer, but I wanted to do radio. So I knew the University of Bridgeport had a radio station. Now, my father was at work. My mom didn't drive. A buddy of mine drove me to North Hall on the University of Bridgeport campus. And I had a footlocker and me and whatever else I could stuff into a knapsack. That was it. They dropped me off. He dropped me off, said goodbye, and here I was on my own. Didn't know a soul on campus. And then I get my room and... There's nobody there. I have no roommate for a week. Uh, so anyway, one of the first things I do, maybe one, maybe the first, was plug in the radio because now I'm at UB. I'm a student, and I want to learn more about the radio station on campus. So I turn on WPKN FM 89.5, and coming out of the radio was Eric Dolphy, and. I'm not going to pull a Pam Murley and and drop the word that, <laughs> but it it was what the is that? And I'm like what? That's probably what? a Motivali. <laughs> now look, you know, fast forward. If you can fast forward 50 years, I actually have come to appreciate Eric Dolphy, and I'm not quite an abstract jazz guy, but I I've come to like jazz a lot. So I'm like. Oh man, this this may not be the place for me. This radio station, um, but I learned better. And then you were my portal. Uh, I showed me. up. <laughs> you, oh, oh, absolutely. Um, walked you know where you are right now. I walked up to the second floor at the floor at the student center. WPKN nameplate on the door, and there was a notice about if you want to be trained, you know, to paraphrase, to get on the radio station. In this particular instance, AM, the closed circuit, the AM side. And it had a time to be there, and a buddy of mine and I showed up for that orientation or whatever you want to call it. You were the person who met us, and I'll never forget it because... You were standing in what was the AM studio. So, uh, to you, as I'm looking at you, to your, my left, your right, is the console for the AM closed circuit station right. board. To your left, on your left shoulder, is that music library. And this is the first time I'd actually ever seen a you know a radio board, and and I'm like, wow. I guess there were maybe 10,000 albums in that music library at the time. And I was like, wow. And then you started saying, you said something. I told you this when we talked privately last week. You said something that's that is 50 years later, I remember. You looked and pointed at that music library. 
And I almost felt like you were speaking to me because, again, my idea of music was, you know, the strictly formatted type of music. And you said, take a look in that music library and understand you can learn so much just by exploring and listening and opening your well, ears, <laughs> opening your horizons, and just don't be afraid to just kind of, for lack of a better phrase, you know, jump into the sandbox and start playing. And uh, I took your advice. And that was my, that was actually my entry to PK. And I, I got an AM radio show. I still remember the first song I played. And it was probably later that winter that I did my first basketball game. And when I sat down to do that basketball game, I had no idea what I was doing. Well, look where you came to. I mean, folks, I don't know if you know Bob Huesler's voice, but I'll tell you, he's known as Mr. Med on WFAN. He was Mike Francesa's sidekick. Did you work with the Mad Dog also? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no. And, uh, I mean, he's been the voice of Fairfield University's basketball. He was UConn. That clip I played was one of the most famous calls ever. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. I mean, it's like an amazing call, and so was uh, the, the play that happened. So, I mean, you come a long way, man, coming from these little this little place here in Bridgeport, yeah, Connecticut. Yeah, well, that little place, and believe me, my love of WPKN uh, transcends – uh, sports. Um, I've been. I'm a fan of PKN. It's always been a part. It's right. I'm. It's number one on my dial. Um, so it's not. I don't like to listen. I'm there. I, I have become a sportscaster, but I I echo everybody's sentiment as far as their feelings about PKN are concerned. But as far as sports goes, anything that I've done in my basketball career, and and I. To this day, I still do NBA games. So I've done I've done every division in college basketball, men and women. I was the longtime voice of the WNBA's Connecticut Sun. I was their first voice. And um, as I said, I, I I do Brooklyn Nets games now. I'm the backup to um, Chris Carino is his name. He's the play-by-play radio voice of the Nets. But to get to my point, it all started with the tape I made at UB on PKN doing a UB basketball game because it was that tape that got me my first commercial basketball job, which was Fairfield and on the old WNAB in uh, Bridgeport. And um, so you could take that tape, the tape I made doing a UB basketball game on PKN, and you could draw a line from that tape 50 years to now, and I'm still doing basketball and um very cool one of the reasons it's one of the reasons pkn special to me yeah well you know and you drive to hamden all the time from the city to hamden the city to Hamden. you listen to wpkn when you're in the car <laughs> i did i did um as now i <laughs> figures right i moved from hamden to stamford mm-hmm. eventually I've and you can't get it the down line. there <laughs> you can i was listening when i got off the train today um just to get a little off track, this is in a, this is a pretty incredible day for me in terms of symmetry. Ah, the uh, shoes. <laughs> right. Yeah, a lot of people who I don't think most people would know who we're talking about. You do, uh, but there is a radio icon. I'll just get you know put it that way. His name is Steve Summers, and he had his last show today. So I was down in New York today to see him off. Literally, I love him. 
He was great. Yeah. He did his last show, and then I got off of the train. And of course, Pop, you ride up. And I, I only had a five-minute drive. But no, I got you in the car okay. But part of my um, routine would be I would listen to, uh, as long as I could get it, when I was driving to um, New York. I think I told you last week we spoke. I, I love Rick Patron's show. Uh, Lisa Sahulka plays great jazz. Um, I love when I would hear you. Uh, so yeah, I it, it sustained me. Um, books. I was I was on the books on tape thing long before people really knew anything about books on tape. I used to play them on cassettes in my <laughs> on a boombox in my car. But pecan was always one of my presets in this bit of thing. So is there one story you could tell us about sports and WPKN? I mean, were you the uh, announcer when Manute Ball played here, or no? No, that was a little past me. Uh, that certainly was. That's when you talk to anybody about the University of Bridgeport and you talk um, about basketball, everybody talks about Minute. But that was, uh, I missed that by several years. Um, but you called games? Uh, with Minute? No. No, no, I mean, no, but I, you called basketball games for the University of Bridgeport? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had some great teams. Uh, a lot of those guys. Um, like Phil Mastu, for instance, uh, I, I, I'm friendly with him. Um, there are guys on that team, Rick DeChico. There were, we had good teams. When I was a student in the mid-70s, uh, I graduated in 77. We went to the NCAA tournament for the very first time on, um, on my watch. And I, I broadcast the very first NCAA UB game, which was uh, we played Eastern Illinois. We were one and done, but it was exciting. And we won the regional tournament of, of, of at all places. Again, talk about the coincidences at, at Alumni Hall at Fairfield. That's where they played the New England regional. We were the, UB was the host, but they played the games at Fairfield larger capacity. And Jeff Tellis was my partner for one of those games. Wow. Um, and I know I know Harry's going to spend a lot of time talking about Jeff tomorrow on yep. his farewell. Yeah, you're going to be show. on that show, right? I'm going to be there. Oh, think, cool. Harry, Harry has invited me to sit in with him. Awesome. And, you know, kind of kind of help him when he gets – but I, it's going to be 99.9% Harry and, and – and Oh, absolutely. Coffee or yeah, well, you've got some – I don't know. You got some great stories, man. So, um, you know, my producer's prodding me here. He says, you know, we got to move on. You got somebody else coming up. We got uh, Ed Michelson on in the wings. Eddie, Eddie Wazoo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I thank you so much for joining me, man. And it was great stories and, uh, you know, really great to hear your voice. And, you know, I told people, with no matter how many years you don't see somebody, which has been a long time for us, you know, we, we still connect. It's, it's amazing about PKN. Kevin, uh, talking to you uh, last week to set this up and talking to you right now on the air is like talking to an old friend. I, I really mean that. And I really love what uh, you're doing here with uh, PKN to this day, you and all the other lifers. And I say that affectionately. It's great. Stuff. Great. Thanks a lot, Bob. Take care. Thank you, Kevin.
and old friends, folks. Hope you're enjoying yourself out there as I do my last show here at the University of Bridgeport, 244 University Avenue. It's going to be weird not to make the left-hand turn and, and come down here. That's for sure. Um, we have two more guests coming up shortly. Uh, I want to, Speaking of guests, tomorrow, Harry Minot will do the last show here. And it should be amazing because he's got quite a lineup. Lisa Sahulko being Rod Ross. Stu Hackles making another appearance. Bob Gottlieb is showing up. Ray Terlaga, um, Ben Sallard, Norm Preslin, Carl J. Frano, Maud Joseph. Amir Rashid, who I haven't seen in God's age, and he was such an influence on me. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. And, and of course, Harry's loaded with good stories. And so it's it's not just about the past and uh, and what we've done, but as I said earlier in the show, it's a really strong foundation for us to go into the future and have uh, great success. And it's also highly, highly reliant upon you, the listener, who is out there and continually supports WPKN. You can do it right now. You could go right to the website and donate money, or you could wait till we have another fundraiser, which is coming up shortly, folks. We're going to be honoring Joni Mitchell once again. Seems to be one of our most popular fundraisers, and so I would, uh, um, you know, if you tune in to that, we will definitely be grateful if you keep supporting us because your donations have supported us for 60 years in this location and hopefully for another 60 years we keep doing it right in the new location and you also paid for all that construction over there people have been working their tails off to get that down done over there and a big long crew i'm not going to get into but tomorrow we'll, we'll probably will but um i'll tell you something there's been a lot of work going on i mean People are packing up albums and packing up CDs, and we're moving them over there, and we're designing this. We have meetings, you know, and it's a big family. Oh, no, we can't do that. Yeah, we got to do this. We got to have that, you know. But it's all coming together, and they did a great job, and it's looking really good over there. So it's 6 p.m. right now. Welcome. Well, you're coming in from above to the planet below on WPKN 89.5 in Bridgeport. That's beautiful. Music and art have the tremendous power bringing people together. And this is our goal. Show through these mediums. And that voice will be joining me in this hour after we talk to Ed Michelson, my good friend. Those of you who knew him as Eddie Wazoo on PLR know this is how he started his show. Yeah. 
growing up, I was a huge Spirit fan. I lived in California at the time, and I would see Spirit several times. And easy to play, Ed. Thanks for coming here. Yeah. Hey, thanks for calling, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. So, How long has I, it been I, since we've been together physically? Probably a long time, right? Physically, it's probably 1985, okay. 1986. Yeah, well, we, we, you know, 40, almost 40 years, 30 There's years. a lot of water under the bridge, and we did a lot of stuff together. You're close friends with ISIS, <laughs> my my uh, my wife, yeah. you know. We have, sure. we have lots of stories to tell there. So I mean, this is Ed Michelson. He's known as Eddie Wazoo on PLR, but that's only to a small— Well, you were there for quite a few years, so you— uh, I was only there—I was there for six years. Okay. So it was, it was enough to make—it was a very—you know, it was probably the most fertile— six years of the music industry um you know in the height of the decadence right they were making money hand over fist making it up as they went along and you know it was it was um the the time where if you sold uh, an album and it went gold it was just okay Right. You had, to, you had to sell platinum. You had to sell a million albums, not just a million dollars worth. One of my uh, memories of you is I went up to visit you. You're on the air, and you had just added Van Halen. <laughs> that was like a no-no. They were they weren't playing Van Halen, but you added it. And um, I mean, oh no, we were playing Van Halen. PLR. Yeah, but I think it was just prior prior to when they they broke open. It could have been. Maybe it was early. Maybe yeah. it was the day before, the night before it was open, you know, to play before the embargo was lifted okay. because it was after hours and right. I checked and it was okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I got to break it and, and uh, you know, in Connecticut as far as that went. Um, yeah, because I remember the day before um, the record rep came in and he brought in. Um, the Looney Tunes record, which is what it's called. It was a red vinyl album, you know, short album. It was an EP, essentially. But it was a 12-inch, and it had um, Running with the Devil and um, Eruption and, you know, segues into You Really Got Me. And those were the two main songs. There were four songs on it. I don't remember the other ones. But that came in, and we were able to take it and record a cassette, right? you know, a, a cartridge of um you really got me so um that was um that was um how we did it and and uh yeah that's what i had to play so what what brought to you how did you come to pkn tell us just what happened well i was always a radio fan when i was a kid growing up i you know i i grew up in fairfield um so it was one of my local radio stations, and I listened to PKN um, back back when. As soon as I got an FM radio, you know, I, I had a job when I was 16 working in uh, uh, Walgreens, and I saved up my money, and I went to Radio Shack, and I bought a little stereo system. And I plugged that in, and, and radio was just really important to me. I'd listen to PKN, uh, WNEW, FM, you know, for uh, for some of the new music that um, they get imports and things that we didn't get as quickly at uh, at PKN, and um, I always listened to Gene Shepard on on WOR, and um, he was one of my biggest influences going into radio. And I wanted to do it. I wanted to be a disc jockey more than anything else. 
when I got into college. So I got into college and um, I first came to PKN and I think it was the late summer of 1970, around the same time that you and Earl did also. Yeah, Earl was a, it preceded me. I was 71, I think. Okay, so I was there for a year before you got there. Okay. Because so, I remember Earl, you know, I, I remember the first time I was um, in the, uh, or not the first time, but one of the first few times that I was a member of the staff and I was in the um, main studio, Earl was in one of the new studios and I heard his voice. And it's like, what? Because <laughs> Earl just had such a perfect natural radio voice. You know, it was really uh, um, something that I noticed. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, that was it, 1970. And I left the, the station in 75 when I went to PLR. So um, it was really only. Not too long, yeah. Five short years. And you were also in charge of the Carriage House, which was sort of a you know a symbiotic uh, organization <laughs> with us. And yeah, it, it was. We we would have some you know some uh, recording artists there, you know, who who were on major labels. Not much though, because the budgets were a little lower. But yeah, I mean, it was. Um, it gave me the in to do a number of things, um, and you know, and my influence was something I could bring to bear. Um, I remember uh, talking to Bob Kissel, who ran the student activity board at the time. He was the equivalent, you know, of Jeff Tellis for the other student activities. And um, I said, we should bring Buzzy Linhart to the school. It was not <laughs> expensive. And we did. So... That was uh, that was something I take credit yeah. for. Yeah, a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of good acts went through there. Actually, you know, I remember, like I mentioned to you off air, there that Wendy Waldman had been there, and quite a few, yep. you know, people on their way up, and you know, and folk singers too, you know, came sure. through, came through there. It was an it was a great hangout, and WPKN was a big part of it. I mean, campus life then was a, a lot different than years later. I mean, at this place, it, yeah, probably different than it is now. I mean, oh, I it's nothing through. now. It's really mm. it's quite dis- diminished. Yeah, I you know I haven't been down there on the campus probably since 1985 wow. know, when we we had a, a little reunion. That was the last yeah. uh, one that I knew of. And and uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, I'm sure it's going to be different. I'm going to drop in on Harry probably for a little bit tomorrow also. Oh, good, good. He'll be, um, that'll be great. Yeah. yeah, but you know I've been reflecting a lot on PKN and and what it means to me, what it meant to me. And um, why I think it's it's so successful and and such a, a community, and it always really was because you know as you know the best fruits and vegetables are those that grow organically. <laughs> All the right elements are there. I like it. I like your plug in digging in the dirt. <laughs> well, yeah, um, but beyond that, that's what PKN is. It's an organic being. You know, it, it's an entity in and of itself. And, um, you know, I felt uh, a sense of honor to, to work there. And years later, people recognized that, too. I remember um, back in, uh, oh, when was it? Probably the early 2000s. Now, mind you, I left WPKN in 1975. So this was probably around 2002. Um, I had a job where I was um, in mechanical engineering, and I, I went to a customer, 
And um, this was up in Naugatuck or something. And I went in to see this guy, and I'm introduced to him. And we start talking, and he says, did you work at WPKN? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he got all excited, and he said, excuse me. And he picked up his phone, and he called his wife and said, you will not believe who I'm here with. <laughs> and, and it was like it, it cool hit me from that? out of nowhere. It was very cool, and and it you know, and it was also um, something that uh, I'll never forget. Another one like that. When I went to work for PLR, um, we were doing concerts. PLR was doing concerts at Trod Nozzle Studios. We'd bring bands in and they record it. You know, we'd bring in a a small audience of maybe 30 or 40 listeners plus staff and advertisers. So we'd have a pretty full house and we had space and we had bands like Fleetwood Mac and um, a few others. My first one that I went to was when I was still part-time um, was Larry Coriel. And I didn't know it at the time, but he lived in Westport right. and I was introduced to him. And he said, oh, Ed Michelson, you work on WPKN, don't you? <laughs> oh, wow. How cool is yeah. that? Larry and knew. He, yeah. And he, he was a regular listener. And I was doing the mornings, and he was always on my playlist. I mean, I was a Me too. A I played him a lot. From, from high school time. Sure. Yeah, so he, he listened to, to the radio station quite a bit. And, um, you know, and I apologized to him. I said, man, I'm glad to see you and, and that I get to see your show. But I'm sorry to say I left. Uh, PKN when I came over to PLR. So. <laughs> and then he was disappointed. <laughs> I, maybe, I don't know. But, um, right. So the influence of PKN runs far and, and wide and deep. Yeah, it does. And, and uh, you know, I'm so glad to see that, that the station is still thriving. Well, we're going to see each other tomorrow. I'm going to come up too, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow, okay? I really appreciate yeah. you coming on my show today, and everybody, okay. Harry Minot is doing the, the last show here at this facility, on this location, from 1 to 4 tomorrow, and there's going to be more of what, like I'm doing here today, so mm -hmm. please uh, show uh, show up on the airwaves and listen in, okay? And uh, and thank you for coming, Ed. Why, pleasure, just Kevin. tell me why you picked uh, Birdhouse and Your Soul to go out with. Uh, well, I've owned birds. I've had um, birds as, as pets for the last 35 years, so, so something yep. like that. And um, I just like the song. Okay, here it is. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you, Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye. Too fine.
Big News from WNMR Philadelphia. I'm Earl Bailey, sometimes known in Connecticut as Barefooted Noon Bailey, because about 10 years ago I was lucky enough to do a noontime radio show at WPKN. But that's then and this is now, and the subject at hand is how far along WPKN has come and how far this station has to go. Now, the latter part is now up to you, the radio viewer. The only way to keep this radio revolution going is with your moral and financial support. So if somebody comes up to you in person or on the air and asks you for money to feed your radio habit, just say yes. You know, one of the greatest things about WPKN is you never really know what you're going to hear next. I've fallen, and I can't get up. Get up, I can't get up. Get up, I've fallen. They own the scene, I can't get up. Sex machine, I can't get up. Over the years, I uh, call up my friends and get them to do things for me, like that promo that <laughs> Earl did when he was at WMMR. Welcome to Earl Bailey, the Earl Bailey, and my former roommate. <laughs> How you doing, Earl? I'm well, thank you. I don't know what drugs we were on when we made that, but I think the whole world could use some right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, I haven't heard that since back... Ten years. Well, you said I was there. I said I was there ten years ago. What is it now? Fifty. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Working right? on it. We're yeah. approaching it. Memory gets a little foggy as we go along here, you know. And and folks, you keep everybody keeps calling. They're enjoying the show. So, but I can't pick up the phone. I'm producing and 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 doing all this desk jockey stuff here. So, you're wasting your time trying to call in. So, Earl, how are you? Thanks for coming <laughs> in here. <laughs> well, no problem. Um, you know, back to the roots. Um, where my first show was there at WPKN uh, called Barefoot at Noon. Actually, my first show, like you were talking before about the old AM station, the closed circuit thing that went to the dormitories and yeah. I guess to the cafeteria and other places. Sure, it was great. Offices and stuff. I started there too. Um, yeah, and, and uh, passed the audition. And um, <laughs> and it just it was a fortunate time. What, what was this? Nineteen sixty nine, fall of sixty nine. Is that when you came into the spring of seventy? Yeah, that's when I started at WPKN FM. Yeah, and when did... sorry, I'm a little hoarse right now. That's okay. I'm actually. <laughs> We, um, we can live with it. Your voice sounds great. I mean, you're one of the hardest broken men in radio, man. You do so much for radio. Your voice should be hoarse. That's what WPKN did. The passion that was, you know, fomented there, you know, socially, culturally, and, and back then politically, just it 
it worked out for me. I'm, I'm one of the few people who left the University of Bridgeport with a career, you know, <laughs> not a diploma. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure, right? Yeah. It, it, run it right down real quick. You went out of here. You went to LIR? Well, yeah, WLIRFM, and Peter Boshan was responsible for that. He turned me on to that. He said, you know, I think they, they would hire you. I said, and it just, you got to understand, we didn't realize we could get paid for this. <laughs> you know, I mean, that there were really jobs, you know. Yeah. And that was because it was pretty new, this FM thing, even though um, the one big difference that made it uh, WPKN different was that it was a real radio station, an FM radio station with a 60-mile radius. Right. And what, what's the hill, the famous hill? The uh, Booth Hill. Booth Hill. Booth Hill. Right? That's where and it is so still to this day. you real radio, and real people were listening to you, and a lot of them back then, because this kind of stuff, freeform radio, wasn't going on um, commercially yet. Right. But uh, you mentioned WLIRFM, and Peter Boshan recommended I, that... Uh, I applied for a job there, and, and I was preparing to go to Colorado with my hippie friends and, you know, do the See America thing, and I had my backpack packed, and um, the phone rang at WPKN. It was someone from WLIR to come and, come and see us, and... Um, I never got to Colorado. <laughs> and it's been <laughs> but, a long, yeah, strange trip. You were trip. talking about Jeff Tellis before. Jeff Tellis, the early general manager, he was the guy who got me uh, interested in editing reel-to-reel tape. He taught me the rubrics of that. And Peter Bojan taught me why I want to place the edit here and not there. Right. You know, kind of thing. And so it, it led to a lot of things because we brought a lot of the techniques and revolutionary ways of programming a radio station we brought into the early commercial stations because it was back then that there was a, the federal government passed a regulation saying that AM and FM owners of AM and FM stations had to do something different on the FM station or it would be the license would be given to someone who would basically you know right and so um, here we had all these kids coming out of college radio stations and we were just being hired pretty liberally willy-nilly because um the guys were interested in making money on the am station and they were just turning the fm stations over to these hippies um, and it was a while until the fm stations started making more money than the am station right i guess that's another era of radio yeah i found myself there at mm mmm and uh djf in westport and they split that off and it became weeby 108 today unfortunately well you got to understand back then i'm talking 69 70 71 72 i was there to 74 um a lot of students, especially male students, were there for reasons other than scholastic. Um, there was the draft and the war, and it was a very, uh, very tense, very, uh, you know, we feel like we're, the population is split politically, socially, and culturally now. Well, it was kind of the same back then, only we didn't have social media. We only had FM. And um, WPKN was like a bastion of communication in, the, in that era. And the night Richard Nixon resigned, I remember being in the studio. I was there with you. There. 
I was yeah. there with you. Yeah. Did we have a TV in there. Yeah, yeah we did. We and, yeah, and, and you we know when they said it. they said that uh, you're not going to have Richard Nixon to kick around anymore. When he said that, we really took that to heart. <laughs> 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 yeah, I forget who was at the board. Was it Harry Cole Stew? I don't remember who was at the board, yeah. but I remember being yeah. there with you. Yeah, and you think of the efforts of many, many years of. Student demonstration times, moratoriums, May Days, demonstrations in D.C., and in Bridgeport, too. We had a few anti-war marches through the streets of Bridgeport. But anyway, I, I, I digress. As Richard Nixon resigns, and we look around at each other and says, well, we've got nothing left to do. I guess we'll have to leave and go get jobs. Go get jobs, right. <laughs> Our student career is ended. <laughs> well, it was a passion. We, I mean, WPKN carried the complete Watergate hearings live every day. Uh-huh. That was pretty amazing. I I didn't remember that, but that's... That's true. Every day. Makes sense, right? And, and we played, uh, after a lot of the witnesses, I remember somebody playing Three Dog Night song, Liar. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, could we well, could, we could could do a, a little, own little editorializing with the music after the, the hearing. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, and that was a technique that kind of was developed in student radio and college radio. And especially at places like WPKN, and um, was was brought to commercial radio by folks uh, by folks such as me and um, and Eddie Wazoo, <laughs> Ed Michelson. I always thought Ed Michelson was such a great radio name. And then Eddie goes calls himself Wazoo, you know. <laughs> Eddie Wazoo, I know. I forgot to ask him where he got that from. <laughs> probably from Zach. Um, I don't, I, it's probably a picture we don't want to know. But uh, <laughs> but what I, I'm just saying, what we did there and the way we did it became a, a standard, a template almost for the first rock stations, which we considered to be what progressive rock, free form. You know, the early WNEW FMs, the early WLIR FMs. Uh, in WMMR, and I was fortunate enough to work at these places, WLIR, WMMR, WNEWFM, back to WMMR, and a short stint at another station in Philadelphia that doesn't exist anymore before they shot up, um, started to hire people to go to Washington, D.C. to work for XM, this new kind of radio we were going to do. And uh, I realized at the time in Philadelphia that I'd probably worked my last job in that what we called market that city you know and i didn't want to i didn't want a radio career where i was bouncing all around the country so satellite radio came along at the right time and uh, i've been blessed to be there for 20 years now it's 20 years uh, holy mackerel yeah. i remember when yeah. they started holy time flies yeah, 20 years wow yeah. and so long and, as it's done anything <laughs> but you know the, so to me you working at new with scott muni is the ultimate you know i mean tell us one well, story yeah. about scott so because i love scott so well first of all <laughs> let me say it quickly about wnew fm i was a kid at 17 my friend and I were in his new car with a newfangled FM radio, and we were listening to WNEW FM, and Roscoe was on. I don't know if anybody remembers Roscoe on the radio. And he was reading poetry and stuff. And I turned to my friend and I said, you know, I can do that. I want to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and you yeah. did. I, I, I did. And Scott so okay, Scott Muni. Um, one of my first jobs at WNEW FM was to cover 
the Rolling Stones at, at whatever the arena was in, in northern New Jersey. Uh, this is around somewhere around 80, 81. Um, one of my first jobs, I was assigned to cover that live. Lousy work, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was there with Richard Neer and Scott Muni, and I'm standing in between these two guys, and we're the, our place is high in the rafters. You could touch the ceiling of this arena. And um, so I'm, I'm like thinking, you know, what what am I doing here? It's Richard Deere and Scott Muni and and me, you know. So it was uh, it was something. So the the coverage goes on and on and on, and it was loud. You couldn't hear a thing. Scott Muni disappears. He's gone for half an hour, and people are starting to say, "Okay, where's Scott?" But, well, he went downstairs. So uh, I was assigned to stand by the stairs to find him and grab him and get him back to the radio booth. And finally, he comes trudging up the stairs with a hot dog in his hand. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he comes, he walks up to me and he says, hey, kid. And I said, Scott, dude, we, we want you back in the broadcast booth. He says, yeah, but hey, kid, you looked hungry before. And so I got you this hot dog. <laughs> he gives me a hot dog. And I was a vegetarian. And I'm standing there. you got to understand the situation. I'm standing there with Scott Muni. You know, I grew up listening to this guy. Me too. <laughs> WABC and WNEW. Yeah, all those and, guys. And uh, here I am working with him, covering the Rolling Stones <laughs> on you know on a New York radio station. That's I'm, awesome. I, and he hands me a hot dog. And I'm a vegetarian, and I I almost say, Scott, I can't eat it. I'm a vegetarian, and I, I caught myself, and I said. Something tells me this guy isn't going to dig that. <laughs> and so I took a big bite out of that hot dog. <laughs> and I said, thanks, Scott. Thanks so much. It was, it's delicious. <laughs> and you know what? It was delicious. That was the most delicious hot dog I ever ate in my life. <laughs> was it the last one you ate? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. That's yes. funny. That's funny. funny. And so yeah. just to finish this whole thread uh, off, you know, is it yeah. N.E.W. that got you into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? The, I don't know how many people know that you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, and why are you there? Thing. That's, that's not a formal thing. That's an informal thing. It's something I, you know, I've never, I, you know, I don't know to this day. I said something I think to do with satellite radio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's pretty cool, Earl. Come on. I mean, you've had a really great career, and and it all started here at WPKN. When I was 18, that's when I did that first radio show there. And I'm 70 years old now, and I'm going to do two more radio shows tomorrow. So, um... I've been blessed by that place. That's the mothership, WPKN, the mothership. Uh, we played songs there with a message in the music and a lesson in the lyrics. We were in the midst of a social and cultural revolution, political liberation, and we were actually doing it yeah. live on the radio and the music was so, the soundtrack was so good i mean we were just blessed to have so much good music coming our way indeed i mean um there were hundreds of great albums now there's hundreds of thousands so uh, radio has become somewhat fragmented and it's all part of growing up it's okay you know mm -hmm. it's a long way from barefoot now but 
Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's something people – I'm sorry? That's all right. Go ahead. I was just going to say people don't know that it was different. Now we have – about, I would say, 75 regular DJs doing shows and stuff on this radio wow. station now, where Earl did all the noontime shows every day of the week, mm-hmm. uh, five yeah. days, right? And Peter yeah, Boshan right. Peter Boshan did the mornings every day of the week in yes. front of you, right? Oh, well, yes, yes, right. And Stu Hackle was somewhere in the mix there. Did he do the afternoon? I don't uh, know. He didn't, he didn't talk about yeah. that so much. But, yeah, but... Um, Stu and I, Stu Ackle and I tried a few times um, co-DJing. I'd be in one studio, he'd be in another, and we'd choose a song, you know, and we'd have to segue out of the ex- next other guy's song and try to make sense out of it all. Right. So we had a good time. Huh? That was <laughs> the, that's when the segue was king. Well, and that was a concept we, we brought to... Um, commercial radio for a while anyway i mean i still do i mean that's what i do the the way we learned and taught ourselves to put together music you know the challenge was can they tell when you start another song that's the that was right you you lived to make the transition and they didn't know they were into the next song right a perfect segue yeah exactly i still do that i still do it too yeah on 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 deep tracks on sxm Mm -hmm. Yeah, your your phone's phasing a little bit. It's annoying, but uh, perhaps because I got a little excited and was moving around. Yeah, I asked you for a couple of uh, songs or something. Are yeah, they yeah. within reach? I know uh, one that uh, that you played a lot on the air. Let's play that one right now. We'll be oh. right back.
I'm Kevin Gallagher. I'm doing my last show here at the University of Bridgeport, 244 University Avenue, the Student Center. It's uh, history for me today. And joining me today is Earl Bailey, who uh, is gracious enough to be my guest here at the last hour. So, it's an honor, privilege, and a pleasure. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, there, there's one song that I remember, you know, it's just one after another. I mean, you could talk about the Youngbloods and get together. I mean, there's, you know. Sure. You know, uh, yeah, well, that Youngbloods um, is one of the earliest message records we played. And, yeah, and absolutely. The, that's one of those records that was released twice in 67 and then again in 69. And that's when it took off, and it was largely because of college radio stations playing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, there was a lot of messages. I guess you know, it's not anymore, is it? <laughs> a it's college not, radio station. It is not a college radio. It hasn't been for quite a while. You know, that was right. one one um, sort of sleight of hand that we did pretty well. You know, and well, you know, realize though um, that when um, it was owned by the University of Bridgeport, it was never a class. There was no broadcasting courses. No. Um, um, and there were no. There was journalism. You could major in journalism, but that didn't. They they didn't particularly like the radio station. They were training people for newspapers, uh, and so WPKN was a club, and um, th therefore you could join the club. But it was extracurricular. Uh, but uh, for a few of us, it began to replace classes. And um, it definitely did. Um, so uh, for me, it became a living out of necessity <laughs> besides because I wasn't qualified to do anything else. Uh, you know, like I majored in um, I majored in playing radio. Well, Earl, this has been a pleasure on my part. I'm really glad that you joined me. Here's here's a song that we always played, and I'm going to finish off with it. You know, you know what, you know why I'm pushing it is because the uh, we have automation now, and it will take it away from me at some point. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Is this? Do I hear Brewer and Shipley? You hear Brewer and Shipley's Witchy Taito. It was a spirit springing around inside our head. Yeah. Uh, I hope uh, the whole thing continues uh, to be a feel-good situation. And certainly this song, if you chant along with it, uh, it can do the job. Thanks, Earl. Hey, take it, take it easy, but take it. Absolutely. See you later.
Support for WPKN's move to Bijou Square in downtown Bridgeport and WPKN's November 19th gala for the future grand opening comes from Little Pub, serving American comfort food in Connecticut since 2009. Little Pub has locations in Fairfield, Wilton, Greenwich, Old Saybrook and Stratford. More information and menus available at littlepub.com. 